Scripture lesson this morning is from Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. This is the way he opens the letter. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you for your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. And I'm confident of this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you to determine what is best, so that on the day of Christ you may be found pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The Catholic priest was in the cemetery reciting the committal service for one of his members. And it's a very brief service, literally about two minutes long. He spoke the ancient words, earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, says the Spirit, for their works do follow them. And then the family members took a handful of earth and dropped it on top of the coffin and made their way one by one back to their cars and left the cemetery. Finally, only the priest and the widower were left graveside. And after a few minutes, the priest said to the widower, Joe, it's time to go. Let's get out of here. And Joe said, you don't understand. I loved my wife. And the priest said, I know you loved your wife, Joe, but it's cold. It's time to go. Let's go to the reception. And Joe said, you don't understand. I loved my wife. I know that, Joe, said the priest, but let's go. And the man said, I loved my wife. Once I almost told her. Hospice care physician Ira Bayach has been working with the dying and with their families for 40 years, and over that long expanse of time, he says he has learned that there are four things we need to say to each other before it's too late. I love you, I forgive you, please forgive me, and thank you. These are the four things that matter most. Do you have unfinished business? Attend to it now. Because these relationships we're blessed with are the work of our lives, yes, We may think of ourselves as investment bankers or school teachers or lawyers, but in fact, the work of our lives is to take care of each other and to finish the business of our life. My friend Jim is my tennis partner and my mentor. Jim is 88 years old, but he looks 70-something, and he played tennis until he was about 85. He graduated from the University of Arizona in 1951 with a degree in chemical engineering, and then he worked for the Dow Chemical Company in Midland, Michigan for the next 40 years. Jim finishes things. In the 1950s, the Japanese invented a plastic bag with a zipper. This was a very useful product for the Japanese consumer when she made her lunches for her children every morning. But the Japanese couldn't figure out a way to manufacture this bag with a zipper efficiently and economically enough so that the consumer would pay a price. They could only manage to manufacture this product at 30 feet per minute. 
in their factory that made the product too expensive for the consumer. And so the Japanese sold this product and its patents and its technology to Dow Chemical Company. And on Jim's watch at Dow by the 1970s, one of Jim's scientists found a way to manufacture Ziploc bags at the rate of 300 feet per minute, 10 times what the Japanese were able to do. And this made the product cheap enough for the American consumer to purchase. Jim and his team made billions for Dow. Dow rewarded Jim richly. When he was in his 50s, Jim became a candidate for the chief executive position at Dow, partly because of what he did with a Ziploc bag, but they offered the job to somebody else, so Jim quit and put his family on a sailboat and sailed to the Strait of Magellan and back with his family. I have finished my race, now I rest from my labors, said Jim. Jim was married to Marjorie for 63 years. Marge died in September. Jim and Marjorie winter at Ocean Reef in Florida, and so they had a service to remember Marge down at Ocean Reef in January. But week after next, we'll do a second memorial service to honor Marge's life for her neighbors in Michigan, where I spend the month of August. And then we will commit her ashes to the columbarium. In his Christmas letter last December, Jim told us that every night, every night, the last thing Marge and Jim would speak to each other is, I am so lucky to be married to you. Every night till the last of all their nights on this earth, I am so lucky to be married to you. Thank you. Maybe you've noticed that I preach from the book of Philippians a lot, all the time. It's because it's one of my favorite books in the Bible, and it's probably one of my favorite books in the Bible because Philippi was one of Paul's favorite churches. Now, the most charitable way you might describe the tightly wound Apostle Paul is high maintenance, right? And so his relationships with the churches he founded were fraught and sometimes cantankerous, but he seems to have enjoyed a relatively effortless relationship with the church at Philippi. And so this letter's a joy to read. And as the years go by, I find that I consult the verses I just read and repeat the verses I just read more frequently than almost any other in all of Scripture. I thank my God every time I remember you for your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. And the reason I consult those words over and over and over again is because everybody is so kind to Kathy and me that we find ourselves writing all kinds of thank you notes all the time, and that's how I sign off my thank you notes. I thank my God every time I remember you for your sharing in the gospel from the first day until now. So there, I've just taken care of business. Thank you. And thank you is one of the four things that matter most because gratitude is more than a feeling, right? It's more than an emotion. You hear it all the time. She has an attitude of gratitude. That's good. That gets the point across. But gratitude is more than an emotion and more than an attitude. Gratitude, in fact, is a virtue. You know what Shakespeare has Viola say in Twelfth Night, right? I hate ingratitude more in a man than lying vainness, babbling drunkenness, or any taint of vice whose strong corruption inhabits our frail 
blood. Whoa, could that guy cast some shade or what? Viola does not fancy a thankless bloke. Ingratitude is worse than lying vainness and babbling drunkenness. If the only thing you learned from Shakespeare was how to insult people, that would be enough. The Roman philosopher Cicero says that gratitude is not only the greatest virtue, it's the mother of all virtues. Without gratitude, no virtue at all. Now, I'm not sure he's right about that. I'm not sure why gratitude would be seen as superior to the cardinal virtues of prudence, temperance, fortitude, and justice. But you see what the great sage wants to say, right? It's a very important virtue because do you know somebody who... thinks he deserves the good things in his life? Do you know somebody who thinks she's earned the blessings that are hers? How do you find this person? Does the descriptor entitled leap to mind? New Jersey Senator Cory Booker gave the commencement address at Bard College in 2012 when he was mayor of Newark. Cory Booker grew up in New Jersey in a home of wealth and privilege. His parents were two of the first black executives at IBM. And then he went to Stanford University and Yale Law after that. And he told the Bard graduates, my father used to scold me, boy, don't you walk around here acting like you hit a triple? You were born on third base. And Mayor Booker went on. He says, I drink deeply from wells of freedom and liberty that I did not dig. I eat lavishly from banquet tables prepared for me by my ancestors. I sit under the shade of trees that were planted and cultivated and cared for by those whom I will never know. Yes? I don't know about you, but I didn't hit a triple. I was born on third base. And people who know this, people who know that they've received more than they'll ever be able to repay, also know that they're going to try to return a portion of what they've been given. They know that they are in debt to so many others in so many ways, to God for existence itself, to the beauty and fecundity of this wonderful land, to the founding fathers and mothers who dreamed the dream of liberty, to the volunteer militiamen who won independence and the Union soldiers who crushed slavery and the GIs who took Normandy and Iwo Jima from the fascists and the pioneers who carved Chicago out of a swamp. In a marketing class a while back at Appalachian State University in North Carolina, the professor divided his students into several groups and he tasked each group with coming up with a public service campaign. Each of the groups were to come up with a problem or a need on campus and then construct a campaign of ads and posters and print to address this problem. So one of the groups in this marketing class came up with the problem of the reluctance of Appalachian State students to wear bike helmets while they're riding around campus. This was the problem they decided to address. And so this group of students came up with a public service campaign called The Grateful Head. If you wear bike helmets, your head will be grateful. Do you have a grateful head? 
But it, it's not enough to know it or to feel it. Yes, you have to speak it. Gratitude is like the universe itself. It leaps from nothingness into being when it is spoken into being. And so these relationships, these unmerited, stunning relationships we have with each other are the work of our lives. The spouse who joined her little life to yours until death do you part, even though you married way, way, way up. The parents who loved you into loveliness and graced you into graciousness. The children you love so much it almost hurts. It's almost dangerous. It's so powerful and vulnerable. The sister who knows you better than you know yourself because she was there every step of the way from the beginning as your character was hammered out in the home you shared. The friend who loves you just the way you are and too much to stay that way. We need to finish the work of our lives before it's too late. Do you know the... Uh, Author and professor Leo Biscaglia, do you know that name? He's been dead for 20 years, since 1998 now. But when he was teaching at the University of Southern California, he, his classes were the most popular on campus. He taught a course called Love 101 or something like that. They called him Dr. Love. One Sunday, probably in the 1980s, five of Dr. Biscaglia's books were on the New York Times bestseller list at the same time. So anyway, in his classes, Dr. Biscalia would invite his students to write poetry. And in the 1970s, one young woman wrote a little poem called, poem called Things You Didn't Do. Do you know the poem, Things You Didn't Do? Remember the time I borrowed your brand new car and I put a dent in it and I thought you would shout at me, but you didn't. And remember the time I spilled a cup of black coffee into the lap of your brand new Brooks Brothers suit that cost you two weeks' pay, and I thought you'd lose your temper, but you didn't. And remember the time when I invited you to a picnic at the beach, and you said it would rain, and it did, and I thought you would say, I told you so, but you didn't. And remember the time when I was flirting with all the guys at the docks to make you jealous, and you were, and I thought you'd drop me, but you didn't. Oh, and remember the time when I invited you to the dance, and I forgot to tell you that it was formal, and you showed up in jeans. I thought you'd walk away from me, but you didn't. There were so many things you didn't do. But you loved me, and you protected me, and there were so many things I wanted to do for you, and so many things I wanted to tell you about what you meant to me when you returned from Vietnam. But you didn't. Time flies. Life is short. Thank you. Please pray with me. giver of every perfect gift, for the compassions that fail not, we can no other answer make than thanks and thanks and ever thanks. Amen.